Hey everyone, welcome to an exciting episode of Mindset to Mastery, the podcast. I am your host, Keisha A. Rivers, President and Chief Outcome Facilitator of the CARS Group, where we facilitate outcomes by equipping people to embrace and manage change. On our Mindset to Mastery podcast, we give you 30 minutes of tips, strategies, and actionable items with exciting guests and great insight that will assist you in changing your mindset and mastering your success. And my guest today is super, super knowledgeable. Um, she is someone that has become a great friend of mine and someone that I would highly recommend that you guys um, connect with in order to assist you in developing your organizational code and climate culture. So without further ado, I am welcoming back my good friend, Nicole Turner. How are you, darling? I'm good. How are you? Thank you so very much for having me. I, I, I love, one of the things I love about doing this podcast is I get to talk to really cool people about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I just get to uh, record it so that other people are privy to the conversations. But I think that um, in light of your new book um, that you have just published, we are going to be talking all about cracking the organizational climate code. And I just felt like people really needed to hear this. And especially now with everything that's going on with the shift in the way working, the work environment is changing. Um, mm -hmm. more than ever, people really need to start thinking about what type of organizational culture they have, what type of climate they're creating, because as a lot of people have been talking about, we are entering completely, quote unquote, unprecedented territory. Um, so I'm looking at this as kind of an opportunity for people to really kind of take a hard look at what they've had in place and start making some decisions of how to move forward. So I thought this would be a great time to have you back because if anyone is looking <laughs> at making some changes, hey, hey, Nicole is here. She's going to tell you how to make this thing go right <laughs> so that you can get back to a, um, a wonderful way of working for your organization. So I have one question I want to start out with. Why did you decide to write this book? Well, I decided to write this book because I really wanted to help organizations understand the impact culture has on all areas of their business, their customer service, customer relations, their profits, their turnover, their productivity. I think so many organizations did not understand the true impact of culture. And I was like, hey, let me give them an easy read that breaks it down in a way that Anyone can understand it, but also give you tips and tools to help you create a better culture. Yeah. And you know, and that I find is the key because there are a lot of people who may say, I know that this isn't perfect. I know this isn't the ideal situation. I know this isn't exactly what I would want, but they have no idea where to start. So mm -hmm. I know that a lot, and, and to be honest, I don't think everybody truly understands what we mean by culture in an organization. So give us the, the quick down and dirty version of what okay, so, is culture. So culture is like a shared, uh, a system of shared assumptions, shared values, shared beliefs that pretty much govern how people behave in an organization. So I say culture represents the personality of the organization. 
Um, but one of the reasons why I also wanted to highlight the climate is because you can't have one without the other. So like the organizational climate is how members within the organization, how they experience that culture. So if I say culture is the personality of the organization, climate is the mood of the organization. Oh, okay. So how can you measure this? Like what's the litmus test that people should be looking out for? So one of the ways that my company <laughs> uh, measures culture and climate together is first we need to kind of take a temperature of where you are. Like it's kind of like we all have heard of your as is, where are you currently before we can even begin to decide where you should be. So it's like taking your temperature. Like mm -hmm. What is the personality of the culture right now? And what I find is that so many organizations have not developed what their value systems are. Like what are the core values of the organization? And so without your core values, that, which is really what drives you, how do you know where you're going? How do you know what behaviors you want to transcend throughout the organization? So the first thing I do is go in and take your temperature, assess. We do things like organizational climate assessment. We, you know, have focus groups. We type all your data points that you've already had because a lot of organizations already do like workplace surveys, employee surveys. So I compile a lot of the data they already have, create my own data by having surveys and focus groups and one-on-one -on -one interviews, meeting with senior leadership, meeting with mid-level leadership, and meeting with the boots-on-the-ground people because why do I meet with those different levels? It helps me determine which area of the organization may be struggling the most, whether it's the people who at the top who determine what those values are and who are truly responsible for modeling the culture they want to see throughout the organization, or is it that middle manager who has their own uh, personal agendas they take from the top, but then what they filter down is totally different, or is it the, the real boots on the ground where you know, they're so inundated with work and other things that are impacting their ability to really adopt the company culture. So when you take these, when you're doing the litmus test and you're doing the surveys and the responses and all of that, I, I know that some people who are really cynical say that those employee surveys and the assessment mm -hmm. tools are not truly indicative because people will only, people only say what they think you want to hear. Or conversely, mm -hmm. if it's someone who's not exactly happy with their working environment, they're just going to be negative. So how do you address that concern that when you're trying to establish this assessment, that people are automatically thinking that your baseline data is off? Well, I do hear that quite often. <laughs> Only the unhappy people take surveys. I hear that all the time, which is why when I'm meeting with people one-on-one -on -one and having these focus groups, I also meet with people to understand what's working because in establishing a culture that is beneficial for all parties, I, I don't want to disrupt what the good things are in the organization. And what you find is that when you go to those subject matter experts and, and random samplings of employees to not to come across as if you're looking for something bad, but to also say, hey, we want to know what's working well, you will find that in those meetings when people are telling you what's working well, even the people who are happy, 
when they'll tell you what's working well, they find ways to weave in there some things that could be improved. Mm. So yes, it's true that they say the unhappy people respond to surveys, which is why I use multiple data points. And when I say data, I'm not just referring to surveys um, to find out, okay, get to the root cause. And it's so important to do root cause analysis in, in this as well, because that helps me peel back layers. And in doing root cause analysis, when you're having a random sampling of people who are not people taking surveys, but they're actually helping you come up with ideas highlighting things that could that are working well, highlight things that are that could be improved, and also help come up with ideas, which is one of the reasons why I use the appreciative inquiry model, because it focuses a lot on the positive, but at the same time, focusing on those positives helps us identify areas of weakness that we can improve on. Now, when you talk about identifying the positive, but focusing on areas of weakness, when a company or an organization is going through a massive change and a massive shift, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a hypothesis that this really brings out the underlying core culture, climate, and your systems. Your underlying foundations and philosophies are going to show up more when you're in distress um, and in high impact, high stress environments than when things are kind of plodding along and they're going well. Is that kind of a true assessment? Absolutely. It's, it's like the breaks in the sidewalk. Like mm-hmm. when the foundation has been shaken, like if there's an earthquake, if there's a tornado, uh, that exposes weaknesses in the foundation. That's so true in an organization. Not just when we're going through something like we're going through right now where everything is in disarray, but also when you have two different cultures coming together, like I work with organizations that are dealing with mergers and acquisitions because you're taking over two different, you're trying to merge two different philosophies, um, different cultures, different values into one. So in both of those scenarios, high stress and mergers and acquisitions, you expose a lot of breaks in the system. Wow. So if you're, so let's look at what's been going on now with the, the global, global pandemic. And even though mm-hmm. in this episode, we're, we're going to be focusing specifically on some things that organizations can, can try to implement now, I want our listeners to realize that the tips and the strategies that we're going to be discussing are things that you can do anytime because the culture and climate of your organization is important at all times, not just when you're facing a crisis, not just when there's, you know, um, mergers and acquisitions or divestments going on, but anytime you want to make sure that your organization is performing at its best and offering Mm -hmm. the best environment for your people, this is when you need to pay attention to what the culture and the climate is, is like. So, for organizations that are going through this and, and it's, you know, everybody keeps talking about how unprecedented the changes and how, you know, this is something that we've never navigated before and they're having to go back to the Great Depression to find anything in this country that's, that's comparable. Because it's been so long since we've, since everybody across the country and really across the world has had to deal with the impacts of such a dramatic change. What does that say 
or, or what kind of tips can you give to leaders and people who are trying to figure out how do I keep my organization together? Well, one of the first things I will say that is extremely important now and in the future when there's not a major disaster going on or things that are stressing people is never underestimate the benefits of empathy and emotional intelligence. No matter who I'm giving a talk to or trying to help, empathy and emotional intelligence go a long way in an organization because when employees see that their supervisors, managers, leaders can understand what they are going through and they have the emotional intelligence to display compassion in that understanding, that makes a world of difference in how an employee shows up. Mm. So empathy and emotional intelligence, hands down, whether it's COVID-19 or just every day. And next, I would say it's important to communicate what the, the organization purpose and passion or values are along the way because employees get and I say unless you own the organization we're all everyone's an employee employees sometimes get so focused on the hands-on until and it's amazing I find this when I'm doing my interviews they are like I'm doing all this work and it's work 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 but I don't understand the value mm. of the work and so when your teams are remote, <laughs> away from the office, or whether they're together in the office, it's important to express and make sure you're communicating what's the purpose of what we're doing, what's the value of what we're doing. Also practice flexibility. This more than ever is showing how important it is for organizations to practice flexibility. Like one organization, because some of the parents are having to do homeschool during the time that they're on the work hours. So they had the work days like from 6 a.m. to 6.30 normally, but now they have made changes where you can break up your day and you can work later in the evenings and you can get some of your hours in on the weekends if that works for you. So you have to, organizations have to find ways to work without focusing on the status quo. They have to be flexible. Well, you know, and, go ahead. Go ahead. And it's also important to embrace and inspire employee autonomy because in these times, <laughs> a lot of people, you know, that's, that's the center point for them is having that autonomy because they're not in the office. They're not necessarily engaging at the same level as they were with teams. Just everyone's doing Zoom. Everyone's trying to find ways to do team building and teamwork, you know, remotely. But it's also important to show your employees that, hey, we are giving you the autonomy to do your job and we're not micromanaging you. You know, and just before you said that last part, that is one thing that I have found in talking to different people who their, their workforce has had to go 100% remote. Um, they mm -hmm. are now in this, I guess, power struggle for some of them where the culture and the climate was one where the managers and supervisors micromanaged and there was not mm -hmm. a lot of trust beforehand. Now 
it's a hundred percent remote and you can see those organizations where trust was not a foundational principle. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's causing a lot of friction. They think if I require you to check in on Zoom every 15 minutes, or if I send you an email and require you to send more reports, then I can make sure that you're working and you're being more productive. But in actuality, productivity goes down because I'm taking away from what I need to do to report to you. <laughs> you know? Right. So they're, so they're having this, 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 they're doing the opposite of what they, and getting, getting the, the result that they don't want. So first for organizations who have not had a huge culture of trust, who have not had very much flexibility and who have not communicated or been emotionally intelligent or really given their employees much autonomy, what would be your advice to them now? Well, first of all, it's important to address, and I'm glad you brought up the the trust issue because that is something that is prevalent. Um, We have to get to what is the root cause of the issues with trust? I have found that with some leaders, it's really not about their employees, it's about them. And so my accountability for myself is to display certain behaviors of distrust with my employees. But to answer your question, some of my recommendations would be, one is that you have to decide what is most important, especially in these times and outside of these times. Is it the the output, the deliverables, what the employee is working on? Because people forget that just because I can respond to you or if I'm in the office and you see me, it doesn't mean that I'm productive. So deciding what is most important, my being able to see you and the fact that managers are requiring that during this time when people have their families and they have one, if they're married, one spouse may not have a job and then they're dealing with financial stress and health stress and the kids stress and all of that. And for a manager to have to go back to what I said at the very beginning, to lack empathy and emotional intelligence and really want to micromanage is a deeper issue within itself. Mm-hmm. And in doing executive coaching with some of the leaders and peeling back those layers to get to why that behavior exists and why it, that behavior creates low morale, high turnover, low productivity, toxic work environments, um, it, it requires an understanding because a lot of managers and supervisors are just duplicating behaviors that they saw as they were coming up in the workplace from their, from their bosses, from their mentors, from their sponsors. And so it's important to decide, especially in these times, what is most important? Do I care if I see you and you check in every 15 minutes? Or do I have the compassion to say, hey, these are some challenging times right now. And as long as Nicole is delivering and meeting the objectives of the work, why do I care? So determining what's most important during these times, especially now more so than ever, kind of alleviates in some ways the micromanagement and the trust issues when you shift your focus to the priority Mm. and not the time that I have to see you and whether or not you're responding to me. 
Right. And this is, and this is key because it really shines a light on those organizations that do not trust their employees. Because mm -hmm. if I have a, in, in one of the, the videos that I, I posted, I talked about how we need to stop focusing on task and instead mm -hmm. focus on outcome. And what you just yep. said about focusing on the big picture, what are we doing? What's the end goal? What are we trying to get accomplished? Instead of you needing a list of every single mm -hmm. thing that I did today. And yes. if I'm homeschooling my child or I'm taking care of a parent or an elderly relative, or I have a spouse who is, um, who is an essential employee and has to work odd shifts, and I need to understand that my rhythm and flow in terms of when I'm able to work and when I'm able to be most productive may be vastly mm -hmm. different than someone who lives by yes. themselves and doesn't have anything, doesn't have a pet or anybody that they need to deal with. Mm -hmm. So, you know, really this is going, this has forced and will force organizations and managers to not just pay lip service to really understanding and, and having a finger on the pulse of their people. Yes, absolutely. Because a lot of people in organizations are promoted and moved up the ladder because of their technical knowledge. And they don't understand that the higher up you go, it's really more of your interpersonal and how you're able to lead and inspire and motivate people. And when I'm doing, focusing on organizational culture, everything I'm doing is centered around the people, people-centered culture. And that's a shift for a lot of leaders who, their sweet spot is not the interpersonal. They see it as a touchy feeling. But this time that we're in right now is showing you that touchy feeling is exactly what you need to be in touch with. Yeah. And, and I think we're, in, we're on the dawn of seeing a new shift in what we think about management and how we mm -hmm. determine who's a good manager, who's a good supervisor, what we need to develop yeah. within leaders. Because like you said, it was all like a lot of the, the promotions are based on productivity. It's based on achieving certain results, but it's based on technical knowledge. You, mm -hmm. you're great at understanding this department. You're a great IT programmer. You're a great cybersecurity person. You're great at developing organizational plans and structures. But how are you when it comes to working with a team? How are you mm -hmm. in terms of understanding how to bring people together and, and, and develop this cohesive, collaborative community where everybody has their back? You know, how are you with yeah. inspiring trust? How are you with your people being safe enough to say, you know what, I can't today, I need a break. Mm -hmm. And not feeling like they're gonna be penalized for that. So absolutely, I, I think that your, your book is timely in that it's, it's, if people really take the opportunity to, to think about what the times that we're in, and you know, they've been going through this for you know, a few weeks now. So I think we're beyond, mm -hmm. we should be beyond the initial reactionary phase and people are kind of getting into a groove right now. So 
maybe they should start looking at this as an opportunity to really call you up and say, hey, I need a climate assessment for my organization. <laughs> yeah. Now is the time definitely if you need me. <laughs> and, and, you know, and it'll help with the transition when people have to go back into the office. If you wait till it's time to go back in mm-hmm. and try to figure everything out, you're already behind. <laughs> right. Now is the perfect time to try to make change happen. Right. And that, I mean, we laugh about it, but I was serious in that people are always thinking about, well, I can't think about that right now because we're not back in the office. But you are going to mm-hmm. be. And so yeah. what's your plan moving forward? I guarantee you, I've been talking to some people who are saying, oh my gosh, I can't wait till we get back to normal. There is no normal. Yeah, normal is different now. Right. <laughs> so, it, and I was It's talking, not going to be the same. Right. So it's, it's, it's the new normal. What is the new normal going to look like? Because you have just established that your business can continue if you're remote. If you mm-hmm. have not established that your business can continue when, you're, when you cannot be on site, then what do you need to do in order to make sure that, that your longevity isn't going to be threatened because of the fact that you were not paying attention and planning ahead? So I Absolutely. would recommend to anyone listening who works for an organization, anyone who's a leader of an organization or supervisor, you need to contact Nicole because she needs to get, get with you and start developing a plan of how you're going to start developing the culture now before you get back into the office because culture does culture change doesn't happen overnight. This is a process no. that they're going to have to go through. So how can they get in touch with you and where can they buy your book? So the book is available everywhere. <laughs> you can buy it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, um, so many different outlets have it. My website is oyatgroup.com. That's O-Y-A-T group, G-R-O-U-P.com. And if you need to email me, it's Nicole at oyatgroup.com. On Twitter, I am the Culture Pro. On Instagram, I am the Culture Pro. So there's so many different ways you can find me. And I am here ready to help organizations get their culture ready for the new normal. Awesome. Well, on my website at carsgroup.com, K-A-R-S group.com, I will have under the podcast link, there will be a page dedicated specifically to this episode. It will have all of Nicole's contact information, how you can email her, find her on social media, um, and connect with her so that you can begin the process of preparing your organization for your new normal. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I truly enjoy it. Every time we have our conversations, it is enlightening to say the least. Um, And a lot of times we talk shop about, you know what? People should just do this and then they'd be great. So, you know, just (laughs) know what you need to do. Um, But it all starts with shifting your mindset and really realizing that the way things have been done in the past is not going to cut it when we enter into what is now our new normal. Um, And, you know, normal is relative. And right now uh, what's going on with everyone is something that we need to pay attention to. So thank you again, Nicole, for for being a guest. I truly enjoyed having you. Um, I know you're going to be back again because there are some other 
aspects of what you do that I want to devote um, entire segments to. So um, look forward to having you back again. Um, and to everyone who's listening, thank you for joining in and uh, listening to Mindset to Mastery, the podcast where we provide tools, tips, and actionable items to help you to change your mindset, master your success. I am your host, Keisha A. Rivers, President and Chief Outcome Facilitator of the CARS Group, where we facilitate outcome by equipping people to embrace and manage change. And be sure to visit my website at carsgroup.com for information on my Equipped for Change series that is going to assist entrepreneurs, individuals, companies, supervisors, and leaders with ways to equip themselves, their organizations, and their people to be able to embrace, manage, and thrive in change. Until next time, we hope this has been helpful. Reach out and let us know um, how this has impacted you, how it has been um, able to assist you, and by all means, share to anyone and everyone who will listen so that they can gain the knowledge and the perspective that we have shared today. Everyone stay safe, stay sane, and stay sanitized. Until next time, make it a great one. Bye-bye.